Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I discuss lethal encounters with a retired SWAT officer and have an in-depth conversation on the will to live. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table and our guest co-host, Ben DeWalt, is in the house. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing good. I wanted to tell you, since uh, we had Amy, uh, uh, Amanda on the show, I'm sorry, I uh, I started, uh, you know, when I dropped trow, I stopped taking taking my full rig off and uh, we could talk about that ben when you <laughs> when you carry a ben how are you by the way uh i uh, was good until, until that, we started about talking about started, i don't yeah. well i, I had I, we uh, when you take a dump you know and you got and you're carrying do you take your rig off your pants or do you let it sit in your no i take the gun out of the holster and yep. while i'm on the toilet i keep a two-handed grip on the gun <laughs> that's the right answer pointed at the door because I don't know what shit's going to happen through. while shit's happening. That's, that's the right answer. That's fair. The that's question the right is, answer. what do you do with it when you wipe your ass? Oh, I go to my left hand. Support hand shooting. Wow. <laughs> Spoken what, like a... Spoken like... What else would you do? That's a professional. That's Where a are y'all going to the bathroom? Poughkeepsie. <laughs> 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 well, we, we had we had somebody out we were talking about, and uh, <clears throat> somebody who had... A, a principal, I think it was, in the school, had, had brought their gun into the uh, stall with them. And they left Superintendent. it on the, and they left it on the back of a toilet instead yeah. of putting it back in. That's Which awesome. happens like yeah. all the time. Yeah. Un- unfortunately. So my standard SOP when I was at work and like carrying concealed would pull out and when you put your you put it in your underwear. So you can't pull your pants. That's up. Mike's move. Yeah, but that's it's right. in the holster. It's yeah. in the holster. Or I take the band of my of my drawers and I kinda like fold it over the, the grip. That's the other thing I kinda I, tend to do. I don't want my gun where my junk like i don't want it it's in not, all that you know like you're not that big it's not, you're not hanging down <laughs> to the floor it's not that no it's not i'm not afraid of shooting so, it i don't want it to stink you know like oh, i don't know I don't if you guys if you guys have been down to green top it's a gun shop about maybe half hour north of richmond virginia no when you go into the men's and women's room i apparently from what i'm told next to the toilet in the stalls there's a little basket Oh, oh, that's, that's, that's considerate. That's considerate, yeah. It is, yeah. that really is. Yeah, all right. All right, well, that. listen, I want to get to this right, interview, but before we do, I want to talk about our friends over at Target Sports USA. Their everyday ammo prices are already an outstanding deal, but if you want to save some money, check out their Ammo Plus membership, which gets you 8% off, free shipping on ammo, order priority, and in-stock product alerts. Be sure to visit them at TargetSportsUSA.com. Of course, they're the company that provides all the ammo for our shooting. So we are very appreciative of that. And if you're out there enjoying the content that we're putting out, uh, make sure you're subscribed. And if you feel so kind as to leave a five-star review and a comment on Apple or a five-star review on Spotify, we appreciate that. And before we get into tonight's interview, we have uh, our friends over at Flatline Fiber Co. are actually sponsoring this interview. Chad and the rest of the crew, Ben, I know you know those guys. Great dudes. They're over at Flatline. They're an outstanding group of Americans and they're proud gun owners just like you and I. I personally love their padded rifle slings, although they have non-padded, if that's your thing. But they have so many great products. I guarantee you'll find something that makes your next range day better than your last. Everything is made by hand in the USA, includes free shipping, and has a lifetime warranty. Use the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. 
And thank you for supporting the companies that support the show. And one last thing, and Keith, you're on Instagram, so it doesn't matter for you, but nope. anybody that's on Instagram, uh, we just put up a link now, and that link has all those sponsors in there. It has their the discount code written in there. It's got all kinds of other cool stuff. You can listen to the episode. So tonight's interview <clears throat> guest is a retired law enforcement officer with 20 years of service, many of which were spent in SWAT and the Department of Homeland Security Gang Investigations Unit. In January 2008, he was involved in a deadly encounter in which he bravely fought for his life and won. Please welcome Jared Reston to the show. And no segue tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And there's actually a reason for that. So uh, this is actually the first time that we've ever actually had four people in the studio. I was waiting for you to mention that. Yeah, this is is a uh, historic moment. We've had three on several occasions. This is the max, I'm telling you right now. We're not fitting anybody else in. Maybe one. Maybe one. There's not even another mic. Maybe one. Ben would have to share share with someone. Yeah, share. All right. Anyway, Small person, like Jared, baby. how are you? Sean. I'm doing great. Doing great. <laughs> awesome. Sean would fit. Yeah. Sit <laughs> 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 in the kitty kitty chair over there. Oh, poor, poor Sean. He's a great dude. Oh man. So you, uh, Jared, you're here. You are putting on a training class with uh, Ben, and you guys are training the last two days. Yeah. So the past two days, we are we finished up today with a two day pistol course. Um, great course. Great group of guys. Cool. Yeah, we had a couple. We had a Discord uh, member mention how much fun you can he say had. His name? Uh, yeah, Jack Neat, and uh, he talked about uh, the first day and coming in there cold at that twenty-five yard shot. And he was like, "Oh boy, I got some work to do." And uh, he seemed to get it together the second day. I hope, uh, hope Ben and you, Jared, would uh, would agree. Oh yeah, great dude. Shout out to you. Did you want to announce something about that, by the way? Oh yeah, Jack won uh, the dry firing league. And uh, your swag bag is in the mail. So uh, I'm, I'm going to post a picture of, uh, well, I'm not going to post it. I'm going to take the picture and Mike's going to post it yeah. of uh, everything that went in the bag. But you got a really cool bag coming with uh, some couple, uh, a t-shirt, a bunch of stickers, nice uh, tier one concealment bag. So some cool stuff. Cool. So Jared, I pride myself on trying to bring as much content to the listeners as we possibly can when we're in this studio. With that being said, I feel like your life and death encounter really provides more value and insight than any question I could possibly ask you. Yeah. Uh, so could you share that story with us? Yeah. So um, as a policeman, and it happened in 2008, January 26, 2008, I was working off duty at like a at a local mall there in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, for listeners that don't know, like working off duty is... I have full police powers. I'm in a police car in a full police uniform, but the business pays the city and us for like use of our, it's like overtime, but the city doesn't pay overtime, the business to handle crimes on their property during these hours. Right. So I'm sitting at mall security and I'm talking to my wife on the phone. My partner's just kind of sitting around. He's watching the cameras and we get a a call over the radio from Belk's loss prevention and says, Hey, we're going to be stopping two shoplifters coming out of the south doors of the mall. The mall security office is on the north side of the mall, so like we would never make it there in time to make it. But we said, hey, that's cool. Um, we'll bring you up on video so we can just watch the stop, make sure everything goes you know, as normal, and you'll, you know, you're welcome back. We'll meet you at the loss prevention office, and we'll do the paperwork for you. And so we bring it up on video. I'm still talking to my wife on the phone. Me and my partner are watching with mall security, and you see a white male and a black male exit the store. Most, uh, loss prevention exits like right behind them, identifies himself as loss prevention. The white male begins to fight them. Like 
immediately. Wow. Like, so he's fighting. I hang up the phone. My wife, me and my partner take off. We start running to get there. By the time we make it there, the what they're already like they're up. They have them in handcuffs. Like they're already like everyone's kind of up. They're dusting everybody off, making sure everybody's okay. So we get there. Hey man, everybody good? You know what's going on? Let's get them back. And they said we're good, but the blackmail also stole something, and we would like him apprehended. And I'm like, all right, well, where's he at? And about 75 yards, 50, 75 yards across the parking lot, along the the highway right there, is like a big city bus station kind of thing. And the suspect separated himself from the group that was already there to see what was happening with his buddy. And they're like, he's right there. And he sees us, see him. And then like they ha- we have that aha moment. Boom, <laughs> he takes off running. And- I think I got enough head start. <laughs> yeah. uh, he didn't. But- <laughs> All right. So, so he's running. Yeah. So he looks at us. We have that big aha moment. He turns and takes off running. Me and my partner start giving chase. So it started about 7.40 at night on a Saturday, and the road that he was crossing is Arlington Expressway, so it's like a six-lane highway. So we had to do a little bit of Frogger to get across yeah, the street geez. into another shopping center, but not like a, a mall, more of a strip mall type deal. So we're coming across the parking lot. He runs straight towards the buildings and then turns like to hit our left. And starts running on the front sidewalk. Did this guy have priors, or did he steal something so valuable? Like, I was a diamond know. ring. I, I, like, I wanted to ask what he stole. So yeah, like, he he stole a pair of jeans. He did the old go to the dressing room, put a jeans on, put a pair of jeans on over top of them. Now, did he have priors? Or was, or was, he had a prior arrest for um, trespassing, but it was like a real easy. Like so, him and some friends went into a like a neighborhood that's being built after they like yeah. have power on and through a keg party, which most of us have been to these parties, maybe thrown one or great two. idea. It's not a, <laughs> yeah. it's not a, like ben, this guy you know was any, not know a, any places we could do this. Yes, <laughs> okay. absolutely. But not a master criminal, not any. that's what I like. One thing when I talk and, and do it, it's not what crime they commit or what they've done. Like their history, it's what they're willing to do. Like anybody at any time can come out and bite you. So you need to like be on your, P's and Q's, like when you're dealing with people, and just keep that that safety, your personal safety, going. So you so you survive Frogger. Yeah, you yeah. get across the highway. <laughs> so me and my partner are still together, and we're running across the the um, the parking lot. And I look across the front of the building, and as he's running, I see like his legs kind of give out, and I was like, oh, I got him. <laughs> yeah, he, like he's tired. I got him. I got him. <laughs> so I tell my partner, Hey, I'm gonna pick it up and and go get him. So I start sprinting like hardcore to separate and get to the corner. He already rounded the corner and he started to walk on the sidewalk on the corner of the building. So I could see him the entire time because it's a glass corner. So I'm, I'm seeing him. So I draw my taser. I come around the outside of the building, announce to him that, hey, this is the police now. Let's go back to the building. Like, we're, you're, this isn't mall security anymore. Let's Let's go back and handle this. So he turns around and looks at me, never says a word, but keeps walking backwards. He puts his hands up, not like extending his hands all the way up, but just kind of his hands by like equal with his face, but like showing me his palms, like, but backstepping, never say anything. I'm like, stop or I'm going to tase you, stop or I'm going to tase you. And he keeps going. And then he finally just turns and takes off running again. So I chase him for a little bit more. I put my red dot, my laser on the back of his, on his back from my taser. And I squeeze the trigger. 
I hold it there for what seems like an eternity and nothing happens. My taser doesn't pop. My It doesn't discharge. There's nothing happening. And when I look down at my taser, I can see the LED readout on the back just counting down. Like it is working, but it's not working. It's not working. So as I'm doing that, he's tired. So I'm like closing the distance on him. So then I have to holster my taser, secure it in my holster, and then I go hands-on with him. He was wearing a black hooded zip-up sweatshirt. And... um. At the time, and just how I like I grew up, I, like I was, I played football and things like that. So like I'm a tackle to the ground. Like, I'm comfortable on the ground. Mm-hmm. I was doing like MMA training, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu stuff. So I'm I'm comfortable on the ground. So my, do you have any wrestling background? Just out of curiosity. No, okay, but but football. But football, obviously, there's there's a little bit of a crossover. Yeah. So football and um, MMA, like towards once I did like the started getting into police and things like that. So. It was kind of a mistake what to do, but I wanted to do is I, I reached out. I was going to grab his hood, pull him backwards. We were going to go to the ground, and I'd take him into custody. So Good plan. Yeah. Sounds solid. Right. But So as soon as I reach out, grab his hood, it was like he was waiting for me to grab it. He spun real high and threw his right arm over and broke my grip and then came to rest with his fist clenched, protecting his chin, and his, his body was bladed and his chin's down. He's ready to fight. He, yeah. Yeah, well, he wasn't ready to fight. It was a fight. Like yeah. that's what I tell people. Like you don't have to be punched to be in a fight. Right. If someone's exhibiting that bot, like the bell's rung, we're just still dancing. Right. Like you know I mean, yeah. you're in the fight. Like yep. Exactly. Well, everyone always thinks of the traditional you you know push each other a few times. It don't always happen that way. No. It like, <laughs> well, the bottom line is he squared up on you. Yeah. So that's he, it. So he squared up, um, and he was a big dude. He's about five ten, two hundred five pounds. Not like a ripped up muscle. Guy, but like a high school fullback or linebacker or okay. something like that. Like, I mean, he was he was solid. solid. We locked up. I was like, all right, he's strong. You know what I mean? Um, but again, I like to fight, and I like. So I'm like, all right, cool. Let's 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 do this, right? So I immediately come in and headbutt him and give him some elbow strikes and knee strikes. Still trying to get him to the ground. Like, yeah, I was, I'm trying to fight him to the ground. Um, and then seconds into that fight, he produced a Glock 21, 45 caliber from somewhere on his body. I, like I say, I don't, I can't say that I, I never saw it. I yeah, never, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize the signs that he was armed. You know, I've chased hundreds of people before this. And like, you know, when someone's running with a gun, you can kind of see signs like they're holding it or they're doing something. And I, I just, I don't know if he did, didn't display them or I didn't recognize them. I did, can't. He, did he have a good rig? Did he have like a cool, good holster? Nope, or a, no holster. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had an extra pair of jeans. Is what and he it that's what it had, <laughs> I was holding it. And yeah. it didn't fall out, huh? Damn. Wow. So Was he appendix? I, I, I don't know where no he had it. Had he could have had it in the sweat. I don't yeah. know where he had it. Like, okay. So as we're into this, the like the physical fight, I feel a heavy impact to my face and I start falling to like my left. And what happened is we were on the top of an, like a retention pond, but not a pond. It's just like literally like a retention. For like heavy rains or heavy right. water. Yeah. So like, it's you know. four feet deep, 25 yard circumference, only has yeah. water when it rains. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And we were on the top embankment of that. So I started like rolling down that and I thought he punched me. So like in my mind, I just thought he caught me with that. And he's rolling me. with you? No. Nope. No. Nope. Like, so okay. now I'm falling down by myself. And I was like, all right, he caught me with a good punch, Jared. Like, like stand up, stand up, stand up. Like, we're, we got to fight. But as I'm rolling, I can feel with my tongue that my jaw is, like, collapsed on top of itself. And my bottom teeth are laying horizontal in my mouth. Fuck and I'm crazy. like, all right, fuck. This is, like, something's going on. Like, I don't know. I didn't know I was shot. Like, I, I was just like, 
fuck. Like he got yeah. like I don't know what's happening. Like brass knuckles, I don't know something. <laughs> yeah, you know? and I look up and he's standing over top of me shooting me, and that's when I first realized that that was the first time I saw the gun. First time I realized like I'm shot now. Like that's what that was. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's a lot there. I don't. I don't mean to interrupt the story. No, that's but great. I, yeah. So my first question is, everybody that carries, I feel like runs scenarios through their head. And what if this, what if that, what would I do in this? And I, you know, you think you have all the angles covered, but we know that you don't, right? We know there's a million scenarios and you're never going to have them all covered. Uh, I also think people tend to think like, what would it be like to, you know, we all do the drill with the one arm. Like if you're shot, right? yeah. I have to ask when you, now you have this experience, you know that you, he's got the gun, you know that you've been shot. What does that actually feel like in terms of like mentally, is it registering like I'm, I'm shot? I have to do this. I have to do that. Or is it just you're still in the kind of like shock phase? I wouldn't say I was shocked or scared that I was shot. It was more like like I tell people like it angered me and it kicked in like my will to win. It wasn't like a blind rage like you shot me. It was more of like me and you were going to race for a dollar and yeah. you jumped ahead of me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I just felt cheated. I felt cheated. Like, hey, man, I didn't know we were doing this. Like, right. let's, like but now I got something for you. Because it's kind of like, it's the same as like, imagine, like, nobody wants to think of getting punched. Like, right. You think about getting punched. It's like, you know, this that thought is like, that's going to fucking hurt. But w- when you actually get hit or you actually get taken to the ground, you're, I guess, it's the adrenaline dump, right? Having having been punched in the face many times, <laughs> been kicked in the face, yeah. elbow, need, everything that you can imagine. Um, the first time. Before you get ever get punched in the face, you're like it's the it's going to be the end of the world. Yeah, and then somebody punches you in your face, and you're like, that, that was it, right? <laughs> shit, and and shit, again, let's do this again. Is it the adrenaline dump? Like it's got to be right. It's the it's most people hit like bitches. Yeah. Well, there's, and, and there's and I been also, a couple people that I've fought that have hit me, and I've gone, God damn, right. But most people, it's like, yeah, that yeah. was my best. Well, it's like it's like. Um, I think part of it also is like anticipation of things is sometimes worse oh, than yeah, the actual absolutely. thing. 100%. Right. So, so it, it sounds like in the moment though, you just, it registered, but it was just like, it's, it's on, it's young. It ready doesn't to hurt. Fight. Like I tell people that all the time. That's wild. It hurts 45 seconds later. Like, yeah, like yeah. let's not get it twisted. Like yeah, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's very easy to fight through. Or it's just very easy to continue to do what you wanted to do. Like I tell people all the time, like the human body's super unimpressed with bullets. Like it's just yeah, pop, pop, we you know, see whatever. it all the time. Yeah, you I see mean, videos all the time of people. It, you know, it, it doesn't. It if you want if you want to do something, that's not going to stop you unless yeah. unless you it hit puts that your uh, out. picture yeah. to index card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that's the that's the thing. It's it's not the pain would never turn me off of it if yeah. that makes sense okay. like it's, it's so but that was your first that was the first shot like he was, yes, that was he was the, he that was, was the first shot he was so, he was shooting to take it down yeah oh, he's so, trying to kill me there, so let, let, let's go back to this so now so he he comes down now and now you see the gun he's no, shooting he's at still, him. He's still, still standing him. over top so i'm rolling down that embankment about four feet yep. and i look up and he's still shooting me so in total i took seven hits so i took that first one through my jaw it exited out the side of my neck then hit my uh, my armor on my collarbone, which that started the three across my chest into my armor. I took one into my left leg, just above my knee, and then it came out, um, exited high in my my like my left thigh. I took one in my right buttock, 
it went in, hit my hip, broke my hip and lodged there. And then I took a graze of my right elbow. Crazy. But with talking about the hits that we just took, the only one I know and the only one I felt was the one on my face. Mm -hmm. Like being shot is like eerily similar to being hit with Sims, like working like force on force stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like everybody who's done that stuff has been like, ah, I got hit right here and it hurts. And then you go shower and you'll see bruises on your body somewhere where you didn't know you got shot. Cause that's, that's like how awesome your body is and like protects you when it starts. So like, I know when the first one happened, but the other ones, I couldn't tell you at what point those hit me. Hmm. So now you were, you had, um, body armor. Was it, it was soft body armor. Yeah. Soft body armor. I had, um, still three, a trauma plates and there was a hard trauma plate on my, over my sternum, but, but still three, a, um, so I look up and see him stand over me, um, still shooting me. And I'm like, Son yeah. of a bitch. like I got something for you. <laughs> so like, as I'm like kind of orienting my body and shaking the cobwebs off, he's already starting to walk away, but he's on top of the embankment walking away from, me, and he'd look back and shoot at me and he'd look back and shoot at me. But when I had like the big gross movement of me drawing my pistol and trying to get to my feet and sitting up off the ground, so I started engaging him, laying on my back, pushing myself off the ground, strong hand only, trying, like, just letting him know I'm I'm in this fight still. And when I did that, he turned around and kept coming back on me, trying to put me down. So I'm engaging him, trying to get to my feet, trying to get to a good foot uh, shooting stance. And all I did is make it to my knees. When I made it to my knees, like I could feel not pain, but I recognize like I might be hit somewhere else. Like I'm one, it'd be like hitting leg day. Then you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of like, you're like, Ooh, I can do this, but it hurts. It, it's, it's, it's a little tougher than normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's closing the gap on me. <clears throat> so I'm on my knees, engaging him strong hand only. And when he gets close enough to me, I lunge up and I grab him and pull him close to me, like kind of belly to back. And as I, when I pull him close to me, I don't ever stop my momentum. I just pull him down into like, into the pit with me. And when I pull him down, as soon as we hit the ground, I put my muzzle to his head and I give him three contact shots to his head. Wow. And in that fight right then, um, once we were done, I confined him and pushed him into like a culvert. There was like a, a culvert sitting yeah. there. So I, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get up and handcuff him. I knew I wanted to put him somewhere like this is like all like how your training kicks in. Like, you know, bro, I know he's dead. Like I just shot him in the head, felt his body go limp. Like he's, he's dead. Like consciously I know, but like when you get into that realm, like your lizard brain takes over and literally you're falling back to training. And I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta put this guy somewhere where I can keep an eye on him and he can't get out of here until my partner gets here and cuffs him. So there's that culvert. So I kind of look at him and I roll him over into the culvert and I start like kicking him into the culvert and pushing me away, like still laying on the ground. Um, but the whole time still keeping cover on him with my pistol. Gotta uh, be a crowd drawn by now. No, no, no crowd. Oh, but one guy. One guy. <laughs> Were you already in contact with like on the radio? Did you had you my had- partner was doing that? So that was kind of like how that worked for me. My partner is a big barrel chested, no neck, bench pressing son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like sun gun. And uh, you he, curse. Okay. Um, and he can bench press Mack trucks, pull Mack trucks, but he has a 40 yard sprint. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like more like me. And when he, when he, when, if you break that, like, you know, you're, you're going to get away. But our 
because my partner at the mall that night is also like my best friend and my partner on the streets where we've been together forever. And when we work like two man, I always rode passenger. He drove. And our tactic was always like, Jared, you're going to run. I'll keep you in sight and I'll call the troops. So he was already calling the troops in like, yeah. and I don't, I don't have to worry about the radio type yeah. thing. So that's what he was actually doing when the gunfight broke out. So like there's audio of the gunfight actually happening. That's How far back was he when the shooting started? 40 yards. He's got a 40 yard sprint. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not even 40 yards. Like, so it happened in the front of a kind of where I went around to, and I was going to tase him. He was probably about like the tasing part and then we were separated by he couldn't see me because it was like it's um like a self-storage place and they they do u-hauls and stuff so there's mm-hmm. u-haul trucks kind of parked like separating us so he couldn't visually he couldn't see us but so he, could he heard see shots it. fired oh yeah but they were loud for him too yeah, I mean, yeah. it's right, I mean, it right was there. close and yeah. uh, so he heard shots fired he radios in but he was not able to he wasn't close enough to be in the fight basically. no because he couldn't like he probably could have got into it if those trucks weren't there, because he'd have an open side right, of it, but yeah. like the trucks were there blocking everything. Gotcha. Visual. Gotcha. So I hear him calling out to me, and I mumble out to him like, "Hey, come over here," you know, what I mean, type things. Yeah. And uh, he comes up, and this is just kind of how like weird, like the brain works, and like like when I saw him, I'm looking up, and he's backlit by like a, like he comes over the embankment, he's backlit yeah. by a street light, and I'm just like, he's my best friend, and I just, yeah. I got really like relaxed, like, ah, Chris I'm is good. here. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's going to be fine. He's going to take care of me. <laughs> and he comes down and he steps over top of me and he's not looking at me. He's looking for the suspect doing what he's supposed to do. Cause yeah. I didn't see that guy over there. He's, he's still dialed in. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, look at here, you son of a bitch. Like I'm down here shot. And you're up there <laughs> trying to get some. Like, I just care that guy. Yeah, yeah, he, like, I was like, <laughs> he's Man, down here. Like, and he's like, and then I, it, it clicked me back into like getting my mind right and be like, oh shit, he's over there. He went over there, verified the suspect was dead, come back to me, immediately started buddy aid, getting the troops there and doing all that. So that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. Wow. Man. What wow. a crazy. I so uh Ben was like, yo, you gotta listen to Jared tell the story on YouTube. I'm like, Jared's gonna be in the studio. I'm not gonna listen to YouTube. <laughs> I wanted to hear it, you know, I yeah. wanted to hear it live, but uh I obviously I read sort of the transcripts of what happened in different places and stuff. And man, that is a uh that is a wild <laughs> it's a wild story. I will tell you this. It is the wildest story that's ever been told in this studio. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it was, um, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for sure. So not a lot of people in this world. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but there's very few people that have had gone through an experience like that, something that traumatic, something that intense, uh, you know, that much adrenaline, that much fight, that much will to stay alive. Um, my question is, having gone through an, an experience, such a traumatic physical, mental, and probably emotional experience like that, is there anything that still lingers to this day, physical wise, mental, emotional, that like, not trying to get too invasive or into your, into your yeah. shit, but like not talking PTSD or any of that. I'm just talking something that like you always like, it's like a constant either physical, mental, or like emotional reminder of that other than when you come in and tell this story to people, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Just like um, something like in the middle of the day, you just kind of stop and like, fuck. Um, not really. Like physically, you know, I, I don't have, like the bullet came through, like demolished the left side of my jaw, so killed all the nerves in that. So like my bottom lip and my chin going down is, is numb. So it's like, 
you know, forever mm-hmm. numb and a goatee of numbness. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But um, salt and pepper numbness. I still get like, you know, they had to take the bone out of my hip to like replace the the stuff that was gone and different things. So like when I PT and I do stuff, you know, it, I need physical therapy every now and again to fix it, but nothing crazy, man. Like I'm, I'm actually very grateful for the injuries that I, ha- that I have in like, terms of what could have happened. Yes, I mean, like, seven yeah. and shots that's, and, and that's, the, and that's the thing. And like, you know, that could have hit my femoral, like it was millimeters away from my carotid. And like, yeah. you know, I always tell people there's a lot of luck involved in gunfights. Like I'm not here saying like, oh, I'm such a badass yeah. and trained so well that, I it steered the bullets away from my, like, you know what I mean? You matrix styled them. Yeah. Like it's, there's a lot of luck. And then what you do with your mindset lets you take advantage of the luck and keep you in the fight. Right. But then you also have to have the skills after that to win the fight, right? Not just keep you in the fight, but to win yeah. it, you got to start having mm-hmm. like just raw skills and doing it. So that's kind of with that. Um, the only super thing that lingers that like really hit me is it is a PTSD kind of thing. Um, I'm hypervigilant. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. some nights I don't sleep. And for a while that like that, that really wore on me, bro. Like I, I tell, like that yeah. was like something I fought with. Yeah, like, was- Hey man, you're not a pussy. Like what, you know, what's going on? What's going And then I finally talked to guys that are involved in things and um, in the military and just, and just been involved in more things than I have and just talking to them and they're like, Hey man, you know, that's like physiological, not psychological. And I'm like, mm. what are you talking about? Bro? Like, you know what I mean? And he's like, here's the deal. Like not doctor's terms. This is just a dude talking to me. He's like, <laughs> when your body dumps all that adrenaline and all those chemicals into your bloodstream to make bullets, not hurt. <laughs> sometimes those chemicals. Now you're susceptible for them to like leak out. Yeah. Not like the full burst, but they'll leak into your bloodstream. That's the best bro science I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um and you're not gonna sleep with that. You know what I mean? And I can yeah. feel it happening. It's yeah. not like I'm ever like I don't have nightmares. I don't I don't I'm not scared of this thing happening. I've I've never had a nightmare about it. Huh. It's just like I just get anxious like I'm a kid on Christmas Eve or something like I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like and that used to kill me until like I finally like you know talked to people and, and like got kind of like control a little control bit. and understanding yeah. of it and now I can I mean it still happens. Like once a month or like I, I don't sleep one night. Like you know what I mean and it's not anything crazy. It's you know I might have to mow the grass the, the next day and I start thinking about mowing the grass and then it just yeah. It just goes. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm listening to the story and I'm I'm saying to myself, you know, at some point in time you you must have been excited to get into law enforcement and then you know like you you accept that something like this can happen at some point in time but like do you ever look back into like what got you into law enforcement and was do you still are you still you still i mean you got to still be happy you took that path right oh for sure like um I mean, I I love my law enforcement career. I love doing it. Um, my brother is in law enforcement. My older brother, so like I'd ride with him since I was like I was like sixteen. I'd go ride, and really, what got me into it was, was kind of the calling for it. But you know, this is pre nine eleven. I mean, you know what I mean, like yeah. so, like this is like if you back then, if you wanted to go do work and like get into gunfights and do stuff and like do work, like you went to a major city SWAT team. That's yeah, kind Jacksonville of isn't the nicest, isn't the safest city, right? I mean, it is not the safest city <laughs> by far. <laughs> so you go, you go to a, a like a 
a good place and you get on their SWAT team or you, or just go to work there. You know what I mean? And yeah. chances are you're going to run into it. So that, that's one of those things. Like I was, I wasn't ignorant of the fact that I might get shot. I actually, mm-hmm. I kind of planned it. I pre pre planned, not like exact, but like kind of just running through some things. I had a great friend of mine um, who I had a pleasure of working with on the SWAT team and on the department named Pete Solis. He got fired up just like I did one time with a, a murder suspect and like Pete took it like a man. And like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, if I take it, I want to be Pete. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, that was my thing when I took it. Was I there? So someone be like, I want to be like Jared. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how it is. Well, it's funny. Cause sure I've said this before, I think on the show, but uh, I, I was in law enforcement for a very short amount of time. And I actually was, I started out in the prison and um, that's not law enforcement. Don't tell those guys that. <laughs> um, you know, these guys deal with them for a little while and then they lock them up for 30 years. Right? <laughs> but what's weird is kind of what you're saying in terms of like, you, you kind of have to be vigilant and like dialed in. <clears throat> and I don't know if it's the same on the street as it is inside, but like at some point you kind of almost have to just kind of like let it just fade into the back and you have to be a little bit, like they say you have to be like constantly vigilant. Like everyone, everyone oh, got, got to be on 20, but you can't because if you're yeah. that way, you can't live that way. You kind of have to just put that, this could happen. I need to know it's there. And then you got to just treat it like an everyday kind of a thing. Right. You know? Like I always tell people, I have violence on speed dial, not on the line with me. Right. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like I don't need yeah. to be talking to violence every day. Right. But it's beep and it's there. Like, well, you know I mean? I, I, but if you walked around, if you walked around constantly like vigilant, you'd, yeah. like, oh, you'd be like, nah. a, like a weirdo. Well, I right. think that's the big difference between what keeps us civilized is that we all have violent thoughts. It's when we act on those, right? You know, well, you like, always say we're basically just animals. Yeah, we're just animals, right? You know, like, I wouldn't say we all do. Okay, but there's, I mean, there's people who have, they live like in la la land and and whatever. That's true, and, and that's great. America needs a. I don't know if that person's a better person than me or a worse person. <laughs> right, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know, but that's what makes America great. Like, you know, yeah. that we have everybody. Like, yeah. you have me to protect you, and I have y'all to do my taxes or you know what I mean? like yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just kind of. So I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so a couple things here. So first off, you talked about the sort of lingering stuff, and you mentioned um, the the more the physical, like with being shot in the jaw. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that, you know, 50 Cent got shot in the jaw and he made millions <laughs> rapping. So yeah, I know. May, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, may, the, maybe that's the, yeah, the right. I'm going to say, uh, that's all I'm going to say about 50. He just laid there. <laughs> I got you didn't up, fight I back. I got up and fought. Like, you were yeah, whole, I won. Like, you, so. <laughs> you were the whole buck. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I got to say one funny, my, my, my cousin uh, Butchie has been on the show before for us. He, he was shot. He was in law enforcement. Yeah. Office. Also, and he was shot in the collarbone, and I went to visit him in the hospital the night he got shot, and I, I walked into his room, and he was there, and he said, hey, what's going on? I said, listen, you don't get any more street cred. You only got shot once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't get any more for just the one shot. So aside from the firearms manipulation, the actual working of the firearm, and the will to live, which we're going to get into a deeper dive later on, um, what are some of the most important tactical tactical considerations that people should consider when they're trying to either avoid or survive a bad situation? Because I think there's something for both of those, right? There's definitely some tacticals to avoiding. And obviously law enforcement's a different ball of wax with that. Right. But even as a civilian, like I'll tell you right now, being polite is going to get you hurt more than anything in this world. Humans have been running from dinosaurs and, you know, animals forever. We know when danger is amongst us. Mm. 
and that stuff rises up and your hair will rise up and we'll, you'll ignore that because you don't want to walk to the other side of the street. Cause don't worry, nothing's going to happen. This group of guys aren't going to do anything to me. Like I, I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to offend them that, or that be primal. Rude. Yes. That, that uh, primal. And you're, you know, you're walking into something, not thinking like I'm going to go fight them, but you're, you could have just walked across the sh- and you ignore right. it to not, to not be rude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but you do think there's a place for quote unquote walking across the street and avoiding it though. There's definitely 100%. Yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. like if you see it, so happen, it's not all go, go balls to the wall fight. No. If you can avoid, avoid. Yeah. If you can avoid, like I'm all for deescalating stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm never like, all right, well this, like you can talk people out of things, but what I don't like is when people talk about deescalating or doing this or avoiding, they avoid it at all costs when the only thing that would fix that thing is violence. Yeah, right. Yeah. When it's time so to go, when it's, it's time, time to, go. to go, it's time to go. Right. And like making that, that switch over. I've been in several things have happened, like growing up in New York and New York city, uh, cut somebody once got cut by somebody once, um, bunch of fist fights, but the weirdest thing and the most, probably most pivotal thing that, that ever happened. I'm in Walmart in Pittsburgh with my mom. And we're in line to check out. She's in front of me, putting her card into the card reader, you know, pay with debit card or whatever. And behind me, I can feel breath on the back of my neck. (laughs) And I turn and I look behind me and there's a dude like literally standing right behind me, like six inches behind me. And I turn, I look at him and I go, hey, man, you mind backing the fuck up a little bit? (laughs) And he goes, "Oh, oh, sorry. And he backs up. And my mom kind of shoots me this look like, what the fuck, what are you doing? And we get outside and she goes, what was that all about? And I go, dude was too fucking close to me. She goes, don't you think you were kind of rude? And I'm like, fuck no, I, I go, fuck that dude. <laughs> fuck him. I don't give a shit about him. Nobody stands that close. Like if you're in line and somebody yeah. is six inches behind you, like if he was six inches behind my mom, I probably would have knocked him on his ass. <laughs> if he's six inches behind your daughter. Yeah. Right. You would be concerned. And I think people, like Jared said, people are so worried about hurting somebody's feelings or being rude that you allow people to invade like this sort of sanctuary space of yours, like this this personal space. Like yep. don't let people get that close to you. I, I mentioned this on one of the shows. The only place where I feel like that happens where people are very protective and don't let you into your space is when you're pumping gas. Have you ever tried to say hello to somebody who's pumping gas next to you? Like no. they don't want to talk to you no. at all. No. <laughs> well that's all. because because people have ruined that. <clears throat> yeah. Because that's where you get like approached Hey, I need yeah. five dollars for like you know what I mean that's I need true. $5 so the, and, like you're gonna the gas station like, on Route ninety five in Delaware, pumping gas, dude with one of those Baja pullovers, dreadlocks, uh dirty fucking dirty dungaree pants comes up to me and he goes, While I'm pumping gas, hey man, uh do you think and I looked at him and I said, I don't have anything that you're gonna want. And he looked at me and kind of gave me like a from head to toe kind of look and he was like, Uh, yeah, sorry, man, and walked away. Like I just basically said, I don't have anything that you're gonna want, wow. which is not not like I don't have anything. Yeah, like what I have, <laughs> you don't want. You don't fucking want it. <laughs> and he just kind of like, yeah, kind of had that moment of self realization. Yeah. Maybe and he, and he left. Yeah, well, which you know that's that's the best the best resolution in that type of situation altogether. But you know, I think we're we're talking about like you know the state that we're in today that causes all of these you know uh, 
um, you know, feelings, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Feelings. And feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think, Jared, that it's, you know, being a police officer today is not obviously not what it was like when you first started? And, you know, do you think there's going to be a problem finding good people to do that job? And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking mainly because of, you know, the defund the police movement and just the general, you know, the general feeling. I mean, we, we have a couple friends of ours that are in law enforcement and uh, we hear the stories and I'm like, why would you want to do that job today? Yes. I mean, I, I'm, but again, man, different parts of the country, different things. We're still getting great people in law enforcement. There's no doubt about it. Um, the political side of things kind of, you know, it, it, we're kind of worried about it, but like when I was 22 becoming a policeman, I didn't care about yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? like it's one of those. So with that, I think we're still getting quality people. Is it harder to get them? Yes. Without a doubt, there's going to be some sort of lack in recruitment and things like that. They're going to have to work hard to, to get some people. You kind of need like a young, young, dumb kid to, to go into it. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like but, if anybody, not, anybody with experience. The they're not young and dumb. Like I had this argument one time with like a guy who was trying to tell me like, you know, generals send the young kids off to, <laughs> to, to war and that's who's doing the fight. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, but we're the best at it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, we're the young, we're, we don't get hurt. We're right. we're, we're universe yeah. like you know we we are the ones to push that because that's what fight fighting has been happening since the dawn of time. Yeah. Like we're going to fight. That's there is there's never going to be peace on earth. Like don't, if, if like, anything, I mean, I, it's, I, if anything, it's got more civilized. Yeah. If fighting was way more brutal. Yeah, yeah. for <laughs> and, sure. So, like with the recruitment thing, and what I I can't look at it that way because you know the guys that came before me. We're like, I don't know how you're going to be the police nowadays. That's true. It's always it's always that generation, the generation coming in, coming in. Yep. But like you know, and they're like, hey, I couldn't, I couldn't be on a on body cameras and all that stuff, and like yeah. with social media and blah yeah. blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, like I couldn't. But the guys that we're hiring now have been raised like that. Like that. Yeah, that's right. true. So they're good. To, like they don't know any different. They don't know any different. So their job is still fun. Like we're, you're still doing yep. stuff. You're still doing good in your communities. You're still doing work. And when they're 20 years in, they're going to bitch about back in my day. Yeah, back it, in my it, day. Yeah. The body cameras didn't have 3D, <laughs> 3D like, diagram. Like, yeah. I mean, I remember when I had to go to a call they, instead of teleporting to it or something. Like, you know, <laughs> they, didn't read, they didn't read their thoughts and say if they were really going to do what they were going to do. Yeah, yeah. Minority <laughs> Report didn't tell me shit back in my day. You know? <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit from the law enforcement end of things into the firearms instructor end of things, there's an event coming up in September, September 9, 10, and 11, uh, three absolutely amazing individuals that I've known two of them for a very long time. One of them longer than the other. I've known Alex for probably 10, 12 years. Um, but the bash brothers little <laughs> get together, right? Great, <laughs> great name. It's three it's days. Be awesome. It's three days up at Ridgeline, which is a phenomenal facility. I teach classes up there. Uh, it's Dan Brokos from lead Fawcett tactical Jared Reston, and Alex Hartman from Ridgeline, right? Three awesome instructors, guys I've trained with, guys I've unfortunately probably had too much alcohol with. <laughs> uh, how did this event come about? How did this come together? Who was who said like, hey, I have this idea, guys. We're going to do this thing. 
Uh, which one of you guys came up with it? Just give me the whole lowdown so, on, the, on the whole thing. We came up with it on our way to Symposium down in Texas every year. All three of us trained there. Um, like we flew in, we our flights got in, so like we're together. And we're me, Alex, and and Dan. Like when we're at Symposium, like we're the three amigos. Like you know, that's just kind of yeah. how it goes. And and so we're you know out drinking and doing stuff and just hanging out before the and we're like. Man, we need to because at symposium was the first time I think in a long like a lot of instructors were doing like dual classes like co instructing mm-hmm. with guys and it, yeah, it worked did. out. It, it, it's I a took good the experience. one with with you and Dan yeah. and then Dan and Chuck yeah and then like we did the two days with with so Steve. like one is lead instructor one and then you swap right that's yeah kinda, you just kind of yeah, swap yeah, back and forth but cool. and, and it's really like you look at it like we're talking about all right we're going to talk about the draw. Dan would do his part. I would do, I would do my part on it. And it's just, it's pretty much the same. I, we're saying the same thing, maybe speaking a little bit different yeah, languages, yeah. but like, and you just kind of sit there and be like, oh, okay, I get it. But we're, we're getting to the same route. You know what I mean? Yeah. That probably is helpful. You know, you get right. to hear something in a couple different ways and the light bulb starts to stop flickering and maybe shine a little brighter, you know? You're right. So <clears throat> we really enjoyed the classes and just hanging out together. And we're like, man, we need to do a three day event at Ridgeline. Cause like if, You've never looked we, at Ridgeline Training yes. Center or been there. We've had them on the show. So I should say they've awesome. been on, and uh, and Alex and Ridgeline are a sponsor of the show. Um, man, like I haven't been out there yet, but that facility is amazing. Like I've looked, it at, is. It, I, I want to go across the street amazing. and race some cars. <laughs> you can do that too. It's <laughs> awesome. It is such a great facility. It reminds me of like Blackwater circa 2006 and That's stuff. Cool. Like it's a great facility that can even like fit what we're doing. So like. Day one, I'll be the lead instructor. We're going to do some pistol marksmanship with Dan and Alex being AI. So they're right there with us. Everybody's doing their part and saying their part. Next day, we're going to be with Brokos doing pistol rifle, like fighting from vehicles and around vehicles and doing that kind of like urban fighting stuff. That's cool. That's his jam. And then day three, Alex will be the lead instructor, and we will take the same rifles and pistols we were doing all that and now implementing up close out to like five six hundred yards yeah. that's crazy so like but that's the only facility that you, you can, can like do think that. it like it's a the range itself is an experience that like it's yeah. like no other and it's just going to be a great great event we've been you very fortunate it. on this show like i mean we've had uh clint on from thunder ranch and, and i always say like there's nothing like that on the east coast right no, you know no. what i mean like there when, when we had them on i was like I, I can't even believe that this is actually a thing yeah, yeah. this close to where we live yeah like that blew my mind. Anybody that is listening that is looking to get that top-notch training, you know, uh, Ridgeline is putting it on. Obviously, this Bash Brothers, it's Bash Brothers Bre- Bash, is it? Yeah, what's Bash called, Brothers right? Bash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it, did I get this right? There's actually a happy hour and kind of hanging oh, out yeah. part of this. Yeah. So like afterwards, yeah. we're having food and beers, and That's like awesome. it's just like a, it's going to be like an event. Like yeah. it's not yeah. like, and we're keeping it low key. There's only 24 slots. That's crazy. So it's not like a huge deal. Like, but it's going to be. That's cool. Up, it's going to be an exclusive fun event for everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, so but, if anybody's looking, you know, it's out there, um, you know, obviously go to Ridgeline and check them out. This is the first one? Yeah, this will be the first one. September hopefully 11th. One weekend. of many, hopefully? Well, probably. <laughs> I, I think so. I think it's going to take off pretty good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to stay on this kind of training conversation a little bit. Uh, obviously, 2008, that incident was probably like no other. Uh, but you've been involved in multiple situations where lethal force was necessary. I believe I read on four, unless that yes. count went up. So I've been 
I've been in four shootings where I was a shooter and involved in like roughly 16 where okay. I had to write like a report for yeah. other shooting and do it like me being a witness to shooting. Correct. Like, so right, okay. like, so like 16 incidences, but I mean, even four, I mean, in most, a lot of guys in law enforcement, they never even draw their guns. So fours and you it's were a SWAT. It's you, a lot. Yeah. It's it's a lot. One, like, man, only one of my shootings was a SWAT shooting. Really? Like so you, you literally kinda, my last shooting technically was a SWAT shooting, but I was leaving SWAT training to go to lunch <laughs> And got into a shooting on the oh way to get God. burritos. Still in Jacksonville. Still in Jacksonville. <laughs> I was, was going to say, you are not a very good advertisement for Jacksonville. <laughs> you are not. Um, so with all of this experience, um, unfortunate experience, but I'm, I'm glad that a man of your caliber was the guy there because obviously you were able to do what needed to be done. Oh, right, without a doubt. How has that experience influenced your work as an instructor? Because th- that has to play into this. I think so. Um so we're a full-time SWAT team. We're, we're a very busy SWAT team. We're well-funded, well-trained. And with that, I've had a lot of great training, and I've had a lot of crappy training. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like with my experiences in doing things, I think it's helped me build a good program for like civilian law enforcement, like domestic stuff, and like just good performance shooting. Like, uh I also coach football like with my kids and like I'm more awesome. of a coach out there trying to get you be- I want you better like I'm not making you go for a certain time that you'll never be I want you to be better than you were when you showed up to me like yes. that's the kind of the deal I'm going to show you the path on how to get there but I'm going to make you better now so really quick uh, I'm going to come back to this but uh one of our discord members who we've already mentioned once tonight Jack uh who won the the thing with us the competition he took the course with you guys today and and the day before and he wrote kind of a a nice write-up on discord yeah you should steal it shamelessly yeah <laughs> um talking about how like he kind of basically I'm, I'm gonna put you on blast here jack i know you're listening but he basically said like man we started at 25 yards and i sucked and, and i'm paraphrasing and it made me really kind of feel like you know should i even be shooting here right now and then he said you know i just followed the program and I just listened to what he was telling me. And by the next day, I was like, whoa, like this works. I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to keep following the program. Right. Trust the process. Trust the process. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying this. And again, I don't mean to put Jack on blast here, but I mean, I think he would in, enjoy knowing that we we take his feedback and we care. The idea that you just said about being like more like a coach. And like sometimes, like when you're dealing with young athletes and stuff, sometimes they don't even know what they don't know. Right. And you got to just trust the process. You have to just know, like, let me just keep following. And Ben, I, you know, I've experienced this personally shooting with you. I think Keith would agree with that. And so, you know, anybody that's out there that's going to take a class or has taken a class or plans to take a class, you know, you got to just sort of trust that the person that there's a lot of uh, modalities and, and ways of teaching. All right. Whatever instructors in front of you, just trust their process. Have an open mind. Have an open mind, mm-hmm. right? And then just and go through that. Well, like I say, stop coming to classes with the intention of showing the instructor what a great shooter you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come to a class. If you're coming to a class to learn, don't think that everything you do, you're going to do perfectly. Mm-hmm. You're going to screw. Yeah. I, two days with Jared, there's shit he's coming up to me going, hey, listen, you really got to start doing this instead of that. And I'm like, yeah, I know I fucked that one up, didn't I? <laughs> no, he's you know, it, it happens. It ha- yeah. you, you're, if you're coming to learn, you're coming to learn. You're not coming to show off. Funny little, kind of like along those lines. I, I So I do jujitsu. Yep. And uh, my instructor is a black belt. Obligatory. Oblig- oblig- 
yeah. obligatory. Uh, yeah, obligatory uh, mention of your there it Brazilian is. jiu-jitsu. And, uh, Maybe I had a couple too many whiskeys. One day, you know, my instructor, my coach was like, you know, let's let's roll. And, you know, we're rolling. And at the end of it, I was like, in my mind, I'm like, man, I, I really fucking suck. You know, I suck really, really bad. Even for like a blue belt, I'm pretty shitty. But so I was talking to him a couple weeks later and I said, man, we rolled the other day. And like, I just felt so shitty. And he goes, you know, there may be something to the fact that I'm a black belt and your instructor. And right. you kind of feel like you got to kind of show, like, show me how much you know. And he's like, so you tense up and, you, and you, you're and you trying to show me so much that you're losing your mind on what you actually know and what you could do. If you just kind of just calm down and just, am I right? Yes. Every day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so what you just said registered there, like, yeah, like if you just, just do what you know and stop trying to prove yourself. So I'll, I'll do like stuff I did today and yesterday that I fucked up. I'll do in my class when I'm doing it. Fucking bam. There yeah. we go. Cool. You get under somebody else's microscope and you have somebody else watching you. You could have done it a thousand times perfectly. Didn't and then somebody's watching you and you're like, Hurr! you like throw yeah. it. You throw, you go yeah. too fast. You don't pick up sights. You just do dumb shit. It's nerves, man. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 Well, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't help myself as I was, you know, looking in, into your story, Jared, and more history about you. I'd came across something that last May you had partnered with jo uh, George Moore. Chevrolet yeah. and like customize a truck. Obligatory car mention. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, what was that like? You know, did 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 they give you like a blank check and you could pick anything you wanted, or did they give pretty you pretty much, man? They're That's like, cool. They're like, all right, they're like, here's this truck. Let's let's do it. So, man. what were some of the things that you uh, that you did to it? I mean, I saw a picture of it, but so um, it was a twenty five hundred, you know, Chevrolet, Chevrolet yeah. Super yep. Duty. Yep. Um, Badass diesel and like, uh, like my was whole a cool thing. color. That was yeah. the color it came, or you? No, it was it? white. It was, okay. This was like a. Oh, work you didn't truck. see the build video? I didn't watch the build video. I wanted oh, to hear the story. So. I mean, okay. It came from like, I mean, it was like just a, a work truck. Yeah. And they're like, let's 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 you know rest and group this thing up. And like, yeah. You know, and I was like, all right, I want this thing, to be, not only show but go. Like I yeah. hate like you know like the all show no go type trucks. Yeah. And man, we just we we um. And I kind of based it off like a rifle of mine. Okay, that's like, cool. Because I like I like like the the tan rifles, the yeah. FD rifles De uh, and stuff. Yeah, desert so, earth or whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we we wrapped it in dark desert, put uh, a different color tan rim on it because I don't like my stuff to match too much. Yeah, but like it kind of comes in, and then we put red leather seats in it. Oh, those those seats. First of all, the seats were nice, and the storage in the back. Yes, in the backrest. Yeah. Oh. So we put red leather seats on it. But then we put like Corvette red. Like I wanted it like, you know, like bright red. Your rationale, your rationale of like I use red dots. So I'm gonna use red. Yeah, I like loved. So, I loved your like whole process was great. Like that was like a rifle. That was like pretty much my rifle. You know, yeah. and you know it had you know red accents in it. And then like I'm huge like on the quilted leather. Yeah. Like like <laughs> yeah, like in like some of that the luxury vehicles. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we had them diamond put like that diamond black and. Black and red leather in it. it it's uh, a bad. Is that your car truck. now? That's your no. Car? Like they they sold it. No, like they oh, built no, it. They, they oh. built it to sell it. Oh, that's man. just like a resting group edition truck. You okay. can go to George Moore right now and be like, I'd like a resting group truck, and really? they'll build you that exact truck. Do you, do you know who got it? No. And so you did the I, as the custom bumper on it. I love that you did the chrome deletes. You you deleted all the chrome off yes. of it. Yeah. So so you built this, but you don't own one. No, I don't own one. I was a Ford driver at the time, <laughs> but um, 
I've done a lot of stuff with George Moore Chevrolet. Um, George Moore was in the zone where I worked like my patrol day. Like, so that's where they're in Arlington and yeah. in the Jacksonville area. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. They really did this because of you and to yeah. celebrate you as a hero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it just worked out, man. It, it just came out to be such an awesome truck. I was like, that is cool. I think it's a cool experience, you know. Yeah, like, like, I, I mean, that's what I was like. I was like, I'm just Jared Russell. Man. I was like, like pro- yeah. I, I was probably like, like a few pages deep, and this thing popped up in my search. I was like, what? I was like, I feel like you want like a Jared Reston truck would need ballistic glass. Oh, I said some stuff about it, but like we had to like, kind of, we had to <laughs> had to tone it down. You kind of want a big Keith truck, don't you? Or a yeah. big Keith Mustang edition? Oh, that would be yeah. any of those would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, big yeah. Keith, big Keith Lincoln. Does that be Ford? I'm I'm more of a Ford guy. I mean, I do have a I do have a Chevrolet product too, but you but do. it was funny. Like, so I was driving that truck, like just around. Like, they wanted to get some content, and me drive it, and just kind of you know my my thoughts on it. That's cool. That truck doesn't care, bro. Like, I, <laughs> I loaded it up with some wood to do some stuff, and that truck was just as fast. fast. Yeah. Just, I got pulled over in it uh, <laughs> like night one, <laughs> like just cruising. I was like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I was going with really this truck. Don't care. Well, the new design is perfect too. Like it's a really, it's a tough looking design that yes. the front end of these 2,500 HDs are, are nice. It is yeah. a very nice truck. Um, anyone out there listening, like definitely go look, go, at, go it. look yeah. at it. It is, it is awesome. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. So we're going to get to some fun here, but before we do, uh, obviously now your full-time job is training people to be badass motherfuckers. That, and uh, I also work for Safari Land. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm a sales rep for them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so where can people find you in terms of your actual training? Uh, restinggrouptraining.com. Um, social media is uh, Reston underscore group at uh, IG or um, Facebook. Yeah, I got all those links in the show notes so people can find you real easy, but obviously they can probably Google you too and that yeah. works probably just as well. So we are going to do run and gun with you. Uh, right. 10 question rapid fire. It is a record. We'll see how competitive you are. You sound like you're pretty competitive. All right, let's get this going. All right, Keith, you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? My Chambers Custom Ness. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Probably another SR25. If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? George Washington. Favorite caliber? Nine mil. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Don't have one. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Feared. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Dan Brokos. Let's mix it up. Good, Keith. Not bad. 41.16, just behind Joe Dawson. Wow. It started slow. Started you, a little you started slow. slow. You, you, yeah, picked, yeah, yeah, you, you picked, picked up. up. I got you, so many things. I got so many things. Yeah. <laughs> so, I okay, I, I planned on this because I was like, I think he's going to say what I think he's going to say. So, Keith is a big... He has a little nine millimeter, but he's a forty-five guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a nine millimeter guy. Um, I love fat and slow. Yep. We're kind of like our our uh, calibers are kind of like our body type, basically. <laughs> and and I, I, you were shot with a forty-five. Yes. Several times we've had this conversation before that you know which has more quote unquote knockdown power, all that nonsense. Why nine over forty-five? Because I feel you're the per- you carry nine, but you were shot with a forty-five. I feel you're the perfect person <laughs> to ask this. <laughs> Because I'm capacity over caliber. Okay. Like not like yeah. I don't want to go to a 22 or even yeah, like a yeah. 5.7 or any well, of those. Nine millimeter like, has a lot yeah. of technology behind it. Yes. So, yeah. so nine mil. So here's the deal. And this is what I talk about. 
So the suspect in the shooting that shot me, his slide locked to the rear after 12 rounds. Guess who's didn't? Mm. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the deal. If my slide would have locked back and his didn't or something like that, like I'm I'm a pretty good, you know, pistol arrow. Mm-hmm. And my reloads are, you know, two seconds, sub two second right there. Maybe not one after taking one in the face. <laughs> but <laughs> But here's the deal. With a gun up, already shooting, see how many rounds you can get onto a target in two seconds. Mm. It's a lot, mm. right? So mm. I know I'd have had to reload at that at some point if I was carrying a forty-five. Yeah, and it's it just doesn't do what you th- like. All pistol calibers don't do what you think. They're not death rays. They're not. Yeah. It to for me, it's always more rounds, more suitable rounds. Than any big round that I think is going to do anything. Okay, so I we I mean I'm going way off topic, but it's it's a good uh, tangent. Ben, you you're a nine over forty five guy. Yes. Okay. So Ben, I'm asking you specifically because you're a New Yorker as well. So in New York, uh, capacity don't matter. The law is ten rounds, ten ten plus one. Would that change your opinion? I'm just asking this because like I think this is like stuff that goes through people's minds, especially New Yorkers, especially right. New York. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't answer that. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, there's other there's other issues. You, you right? live there's, in a place where that doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> there's other stuff, right? There's 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 recoil management. Well, there's a lot of other it, stuff. Would it really have mattered at all at that close of a distance if you had been hit with nine millimeter instead of forty five? It would have still sucked, right? It all sucks. Right. So, like, that's what so I'm saying. what's the difference? Yeah, you know, like is, is, is that, a forty is a forty five going to do that much more damage than a nine or vice versa? It's really preference, I guess. It's I don't really believe so. Yeah, like, I mean, I hit him with a forty because that's just what we were carrying forties at the time. Mm-hmm. But we've transitioned over to nines over forties. Yeah, so. I think at this point, like the FBI, like we've talked about, this, the FBI has there's a lot of things they don't have that I love, but their their labs are second to none. Their right. their research yes. is second to none. And you know if those guys say nine is good to go, I'm not knocking 45. You, you no, know, it's have, all good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. Yeah, but I just I'm just it. saying for people that are out there listening, I, and that I, debate is age old debate. But yeah, you're, I mean you're good to go either way. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, it's not like you're arguing 22, you know, 22 over either <laughs> one of those. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, more people have died with it. Like I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. like to hear like nonsense. But, yeah, you know, I mean, and. I'm like, hey, good for you, bro. Yeah, like, that's, I don't your, even, that's your thing. I don't like, even want to get shot with a BB gun. Right. Yeah, you know? right. So it's like, yeah. yeah. The bottom line is, I'm I'm putting this out there because I know there's people out there that debate that shit all day long. The bottom line is, nine or forty-five, you're good to go either way. Yep. You know Ca- what I mean? Carry, like, carry. Take, 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 you know, take personal responsibility for yep. yourself and your family. How about and, this? And carry. carry what you shoot the best. How about that? That sounds like something I've heard somebody say before, Ben. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds familiar. Boom. <laughs> all right. So on this episode of Let's Mix It Up. We're going to discuss the will to live and the mindset it takes to survive a near-death experience. I feel like it's appropriate. Right. Um, so before we get into that, Let's Mix It Up is brought to you by Ridgeline Defense. We've already mentioned them a couple of times tonight. And of course, Ridgeline is one of the nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real-world experience. Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low-visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your skills to the next level, you found your new training partner. Check them out at RidgelineShooting.com. All right. So let's get into this. All right. So what is the mindset? And I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but what are some things that you, based on your experience, feel people need to kind of dial in mentally for that will to survive, that will to live? So we're going to change that up a little bit. Do whatever you got to do. Because... I don't like the term will to live or will to survive, right? Like, 
survival is something that you do if you crash your car in the woods and you got to drink your pee and eat berries and stuff like that. Like that's, that's surviving, right? No, I heard you can only drink your pee once. <laughs> Early morning. I don't they Early they morning. Say, that's first, what they say. I don't know. First, but, first of the day. But this is a contest between you and someone else. It is a gunfight and you need to be there to win. It is a, it is a high stakes game, you know, and that's how you have to think about it. And, just having that winning instinct or winning things is going to help you survive, right? That's going to, the byproduct of winning is survival or living. Right. Like I don't, like when that was happening, my whole mindset was never, oh my God, my wife, oh my God, my child, I'm never going to see them. Yeah, again. you were just like, on the phone with your it, wife. Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. I got to win. Like when I think about my wife and my kids and like my life, that's the day like you're on the couch and you don't want to go to the range or you don't want to go to the gym. You don't yeah. want to go to jujitsu that day. Like I'm going to take a day off. And then like, that's when you look at them and be like, I'm going, because, yeah. you know, you're doing all this stuff, not only for you, you're doing it for somebody else. Like you're sure. living a life of sacrifice. Like that's, you know, I'm going to go, I enjoy it, but I'm going to go get hurt, you know, doing jujitsu or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, but I know I'm becoming harder to kill and I'm investing in my life mm. to protect somebody else. Like, and so that's like one of those things is don't ever apologize for having a competitive nature or a winning nature or that I, I, people want you to kind of get away from it, but just don't and don't that, apologize. That, I for think it. that's the first thing you got to have is you got to have that competitive feel. You got to yes. be a competitive person, right? Like, you and I, we talk about it all the time on the show. We go to the range, and you and I will never not compete with each other, right, right Mike? Right. You know, it doesn't matter what we're shooting from 22 Battleship to a drill that we learned with Ben or whatever the case may be, we're competing with each other. The gym, the jiu-jitsu world, all that stuff, like shooting, what you're talking about. How do you get yourself to a mindset where it's not just a hobby? Because there are people, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's people yeah. who they just go, they go to the range, they're just shooting. Like, is it just like you're just thinking? Listen, like, man, I, I'm, I've been around some of the best competitive shooters in the world, and I can look at them and know they're not going to put a bullet in someone. Yeah. That's interesting. Because yeah. it's it's a game to them. It's a competition. Like, mm -hmm. they have everything. They have all the necessary skills to do it, and they can but the biggest part that a lot of people don't know is willingness. Remember like you, I've seen people like you've seen videos of suspects begging to be shot. Like why aren't, why isn't that guy shooting him? Why? Because they didn't have the willingness to do it. Like they might have all the skill. Like there's can be competitive. Yeah. Have the training. Yes. Remember you said earlier about like, there's people who are nice. They'll do your taxes. There's nice yeah. people, right? <laughs> yeah. I worked with a guy once and He's probably, and I'm not, this is not me being a jerk or, an, or insulting kind of a way. He's probably the softest human being I've ever met in my entire life. Right. And when I, <laughs> when I, no, I mean, it really, you laugh, but I mean, I genuinely mean this. Um, he just is another breed of human being that I, I can't, I could tell you some stuff off the air, I guess. Mm -hmm. And one time we were talking about gun stuff and I knew he was anti-gun and, but I'm not one to shy away from a little bit of like a, an argument. Yeah. And, uh. You know, I like the microphone, so I even when I don't have one in front of me, I pretend I do. <laughs> and uh, we started talking. He was telling me how I don't need guns and why do you need guns and this and that and whatever. And we got in this debate. I said, what if someone was trying to kill you, this or whatever. whatever. And he said, uh, Mike, he said, 
I don't have the ability to take another human being's life. He said, if you told me there's a gun on the table right here, and then you started smashing my head into the table, and I knew the gun was right there, I would just let you kill me. He said, I just, I don't have the ability. Well, at least he's I, honest with himself. No, he, he truly knew that he did not have, he did not have it in him to kill somebody. He just knew it. And I was like, but if you look at that, that's the strongest of the weakest mindset there is. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, so like, we're like, I'll guarantee you, he's yeah. on the other end of the no. spectrum where yeah. his mindset, I'll just he's, it, it's, it's a strong mindset, mm-hmm. but it's, the, the opposite way. of yeah. what you want. Like, it and was like the, I'll let you kill me. It was the craziest thing I ever heard someone say. He's yeah. he's even on on some other weird angle. Of he's things. a weird guy, by the way. Not only is he not willing to kill somebody, he's not willing to protect his own life. Right. Right. He's not willing to self preserve. Right. Which is insane. Yeah. Like maybe okay, don't kill the person, but survive or live. Right. You know, I, like I, I whatever truly, you need to do to I live. Tr- yeah, I truly think that this individual was just someone who he was, like a, he was, he was like a, no, no, no. He was like a jellyfish. You know, like he yeah. just kind of like just like lived in existence, and he just I think like he just didn't have it in him. Right. There's a lot of people that don't have it in him. That's why there's protectors in this world. Yeah, yeah. Like that's like when you, like I know it sounds corny and shit, but like that's why people are heroes. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because well, they will do it. They do. Not even anything they've done or really even think about every day. But when you go to work and you put a gun on and you put a uniform on, you're throwing your name in the hat. Yep. Every single time. And Playing the lottery every day. It's the old, like my son said to me one day something about like he was scared of something and I forget what it was, but he went and he, he did whatever he was scared of. And I said to him, I said, that's what bravery is. Right. Um, I want to give you the last word, Jared. Is there anything you want to either end this uh, segment on in terms of that that will, that fight in you, or is there anything just in general you would like to end on? Don't ever, like how that guy did, don't ever put yourself in a corner. Even if you don't think you might be able to take someone's life, don't ever say it out loud and don't <laughs> ever put it out there because once you paint yourself into a corner, you kind of got to live that. That's who you are. So like that's one of those things you might not be that guy, but don't ever admit it. Or you might be that guy and don't ever. And I've seen guys like I would do this and I would do that, and real you know boys that would never do it, and they're soft as cotton. You know what I mean? So just be a humble guy and just be respectful. And what happens and what you do when it comes that time, hopefully you do the right thing. And what the right thing is may be different from what I've done or what you've done, but it's right to you, and you can. You can have a good death. Like if that guy got beat to death and he didn't hurt anybody ever in his life, that'd be a good death for him and good for him. It's just not my death, but that's that's how it is. All right. Jared, I, I want to thank you for coming into the studio and uh, sharing your story with us. We all want to believe we're prepared to face the worst, right? That's kind of what we want to think, but you've actually done so. And you've lived to tell the tale. Uh, you bring a tremendous amount of value in your training that you provide and your example of the will to live, even though you don't like that term, <laughs> is uh, very inspiring. So uh, I hope you'll join us again sometime. Sounds great. We'll yeah. be back up here next next year for at least another pistol course. Hell so yeah. that'll be easy. Absolutely. Awesome. To everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Discord so we can keep the conversation going. 